Hello and welcome to the Liverpool Way podcast. There's no match to celebrate or commiserate over thanks to the international break, so we're switching things up a bit this week and answering some of your questions. Stay tuned to hear about our wildest goal celebrations, the Evertonian we take in the team under great duress and choosing between going all in on Jude or taking a balanced approach to our transfer summer business. (laughs) Summer transfer business. There's loads more fun ones to enjoy before we have to have a look ahead at City on Saturday morning. I'm Chris Smith and I'm joined by Ian Brown and TLW editor Dave Usher. Dave, have you been uh, enjoying the break from the thrill of victory and the agony of defeat with very little in between or are you raring to go again? Um... I wouldn't say I'm raring to go. No, I've I've enjoyed the the break from it. To be honest, it was all getting a little bit too up and down. You know, one minute you're like, okay, we're back on track. We've just battered United. Then it's like, oh, fucking Bournemouth, and then Real Madrid, which was just ugh. Um, no, I needed the break. Uh, it's just unfortunate that like what we've got coming up when we come back, it would have been better to just maybe ease ourselves in with like a nice gentle game at Anfield instead of having to go to City. But we'll see what happens, I suppose. Brownie, how are you doing, mate? It feels like a while since we've talked on the pod. Yeah, all right, mate. Um, I'm similar to Dave. I think last time when we had the break, it was a World Cup one. It was quite a lot longer than this one, but I was raring to go, but probably less so now, to be honest. Similar to what Dave's saying there. Um, You just don't know what you're getting from Liverpool, do you, unfortunately, at the moment? So Mm. difficult to be too enthused about it, but we've got a big week, haven't we? I think this is going to... Uh, the, the next week basically is going to dictate where the season goes so in that sense a lot to look forward to but am I massively confident about it? I don't know, probably not Yeah, Difficult to be considering the ups and downs we've had over well the last seven or eight months really but anyway, the international break as it often does throws up a few talking points, Liverpool related talking points um, and it wouldn't be an international break at the moment without Jude Bellingham conversation coming up and um Dave, I thought the little interview that he had with Gerard after the game the other night on the field um, was sort of quite revealing, really, in terms of like how much they think of each other. And it was just another one of those little moments um, where you think the fit just might be right for us. Yeah. And you also wonder, was anything said off camera? You know, because Stevie's going to... I think Stevie's actually said before, hasn't he, when he's been on telly, he's going to do his bit to try to talk Bellingham into it. I'm sure he said something a couple of months back about that. So, um, well, that he was said he'd his... drive a mirror or something. Yeah, didn't he, I think, he, he definitely made some comments about because I thought it was a bit weird because he'd not that long left Aston Villa and he immediately just had his Liverpool hat on again and he was like, "Yeah, you know, I'll try and get him here." <laughs> so um, that was his chance. Maybe like maybe he's just given like a nod and a wink. Um, don't know, but you've also got like the the stuff like on Instagram where he's out with Trent. And then Hendo's putting something up about like the two of them are doing like warm down together or something like that. There's just so much of it. And like you don't really see Bellingham with players from other teams who are supposedly in- interested. It's always like Trent and Hendo. Then you've got the Stevie stuff. And I mean, I- I'm so into it now. Like I'm even looking at that one the other week when he posted a picture on his dad's birthday. And he's posted a picture of himself with his dad and he was a little kid <laughs> and he had a seven on his T-shirt. And it's like the day after we just battered United. I'm a, that's not a coincidence. It's just not. that. I would have loved to have seen what was going on in the WhatsApp chats there, like with, with him and Trent and Hendo and all that. He's, I reckon he's posted that up and he's gone, get on to that, lads. Look what I've just posted on Instagram. And they're all having a good laugh about it. Like you just you're not gonna convince me otherwise. Now, yeah, I might be setting myself up for a massive fall if it doesn't happen, but 
I just don't see any way that it's not happening, to be honest. How close are you to buying a shirt with his name on the back? <laughs> um, no, I don't, I, don't, I don't do shirts anymore, Like, but if it did, no, that's just Newcastle fan behaviour, that, isn't it? Yeah. Getting fucking tattoos before cup finals, like, no. <laughs> Newcastle fan yeah. behaviour, so no, I wouldn't do that. Paul's already got one, by the way. I think he's actually got a tattoo as well. What's he done with his uh, Mbappe one? I don't know where that shirt's he's, No, he's, he got the tattoo artist to go over Mbappe and just replace him with Bellingham. <laughs> and he was still reluctant. Because <laughs> he's like, oh, Mbappe could come as well. <laughs> he's in the chair like that. Oh, I don't know, I don't know what to do. Yeah. Dave, if you brought the, uh, the Bellingham shirt and it didn't come off, it would only be the second most embarrassing Liverpool shirt you own after the Steve Harkness one that you bought. <laughs> Oh no! Yeah, no, I, you didn't. I did. I had a Steve Harkness shirt, <laughs> and I tell you, you the season the when I had it. In the world who had one. Do you remember, <laughs> like, at the start of the season, and I think like we'd signed Paul Ince at the year before, and it was in pre-season, and I think Julia was was trying Harkness in like a holding midfield role. And I remember, like, I was calling him the deputy governor because he was, like, in his understudy. <laughs> <laughs> but at least when I bought the shirt, I got Harkness on it and I didn't get deputy governor on it. <laughs> well, yeah, Harkness That would have been 12. Newcastle fan behaviour. Yeah, yeah, that would. Or Ars- that's more Arsenal, isn't it, I think? <laughs> yeah. Like the nickname yeah. on the back. The tattoo would have been Newcastle behaviour. It's bad, though, Harkness. That reminds me of my school days when we uh, turned up on Monday and... Uh, we went into PE and one of the lads walked in and he had Bjornaby on the back of his shirt. <laughs> we were all Good like, for what him. are you doing? No. Good for him. I had a Bjornaby one. All, See, all of the players in that team that you could have It's too easy to go and get like Fowler or McManaman. Or what. No, I always went for like, you know, the, the under the radar unsung hero type. I always wanted yeah. to give credit to, to the likes of them rather than just get like the big star's name. Having but, said that, me, me son's got uh, Fabio Carvalho on the back, so he's going down the same route with him. <laughs> He's done his money. He's yeah. probably worn it more times than Fabio has. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna tell him that. That's just bad yeah, parenting. Yeah, I bought the Bionic one. Sorry, mate. That's just bad parenting. What are you doing, Brian? Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, you shouldn't have allowed that. Just giving the lad his uh, giving his choice. I won't tell you what his first choice was. Actually, let's move on. <laughs> Go on. Who was he? <laughs> move on. No, no, I want to know. <laughs> Not up then. At least give us a clue. No. I'll tell you off air. Oh, come on. We'll, we'll find out and then we'll report We'll back. just say on the next pod when Brownie's yeah. not on. All right, I won't That's tell the, you off air. Tune, <laughs> tune in next week to find out Brownie's lad's first choice. <laughs> I'd be on to be on the... Because um, I think I was going through a little bit of a stage of like trying to prove my merits as like an out-of-town fan, you know? like I didn't want to be one of those guys who had the Fowler or the McManaman or the fashionable yeah. player to have yeah. on, the, on the shirt. So I got Bjorn to be on the, I think it was like the Michael Owen yellow away kit when he scored that volley against Southampton away. It's like a bright yellow. Mm. I think it was the kit that they released where they marketed it with the the lads in like the Harry Enfield wigs. That's, I was thinking uh, that as the Old Trafford kit. But maybe I'm wrong. Maybe we never wore it at Old Trafford. When was that? Was that like 97? I know which kit you mean because I can picture the Harry Enfield photo that they did. Yeah. That one. It's a horrible kit. And it was the material was horrible as well. It's one of those like ones with the perforated. And if you wear it, if you like wore it to fucking school or anything, 
like by 11 o'clock you were absolutely stinking <laughs> the material on those old kits was so bad have you still got it i've still got all of them yeah i've still got my harkness shirt yeah. Only because I sold right. all the others on eBay and I couldn't sell that one because no one would buy it. <laughs> <laughs> so I've still got, I've still got that. And, and I, I kept um, like the the Ecru one. I had Michael Owen on that, and I, I was like the, my claim to fame. Was like I was the yeah, first the f- person. You, everybody knows you're the first. I was person the first. Brownie might not know. I was the first person to get Michael Owen on a shirt. It was the day he got given us a, a shirt number, and I was I was going to Anfield. I was going past Anfield. I was like, you know what? I'm gonna go and get a shirt. And they said, oh, this is the first one of these we've done. It's like, okay. So I've got this before Michael's even got it. But I've kept that one as well. I wouldn't, I wouldn't part with that one. I've kept that one. Yeah. And the, the goal is to get Michael to sign it one day, right? That would be pretty One cool. day, yeah. Yeah. Maybe one day we can get Michael on the pod and it'll be like a physical meetup thing and you can get it signed then. Yeah, that'd be good. Because he loves me, Michael does. Like, me and him are like this. Yeah. yeah <laughs> I know it's wrote, not a visual medium. He retweeted that piece that you wrote about him, didn't he? Yeah, he did. He said, love this, Chris. You'll have to keep yeah. me off that one. It'll just fair. be me and you, won't it? I don't think anyone else will want to be on it. Yeah. But you get, like, yeah, you guys aren't being invited to that. You can't sit with us. Yeah. Um, I'll bring me but, shirt and, and you can print off your article. Go, remember this, yeah. Michael? <laughs> maybe well, get I mean, maybe Michael's still in touch with Steve Harkness yeah. and you can get that one signed too. Oh, no. Harkey's a bit of a wrong gun, to be fair. I, I definitely, he? Yeah, yeah. I want to hear more about that now. I don't remember he had, like... Remember all, like, the stuff that was going on on the plane when, like, Fowler's shoes got cut up and stuff? <laughs> oh, yeah. Harkness <laughs> took a shit in someone's bag, apparently. And not, yeah. like, the first time. It was, it was kind of something that he was partial Come on, to we've do. all done that, haven't we? <laughs> <laughs> Should we, like, get moderately back on track here? Yeah, go on. What, what was track? Where were we supposed to be going? I was uh, Bellingham. Buying the Duke Bellingham, Bellingham shirt. Yeah. Yeah. Um, like, Brownie, the, the thing I thought that was interesting about the little pit side discussion that we had was... Um, Stevie's like admission, and I think we've we've said this ourselves. As great a player as Stevie turned out to be, that Bellingham is probably a little bit further ahead at nineteen than Gerrard was at nineteen. Is that something that you go along with? Probably in terms of appearances. I mean, that's just a fact, isn't it? I think I saw something today which said he's he's got ninety more um, like first team appearances or something same age, but. The, the the thing you forget about with Stevie though, he had all them groin pains, didn't he, when he was younger? So he had to sit like games out quite a lot. Um, so it's probably not a fair comparison in that sense. Although that does lead me on a little bit to about Bellingham. He's been wearing like a brace on his knee, hasn't he, the last few games? And yeah. I think for one of the England games, he you could see him like shouting to come off towards the end. I was, I was surprised. Fucking he screaming at one. Southgate. I don't even yeah. watch England. And I watched that because Bellingham was playing, and I seen him like limping. I'm going, fucking get him off, you goofy yeah. bastard! <laughs> what are you doing? Like, I was surprised that he played the second game um, because he's been wearing that for a bit. Because I saw him wear it at the uh, the Chelsea game as well. Yeah. So th- that's something to just keep our eye on. I think that. It's clearly it's not a a massive problem if he's still starting games and everything, but just something to keep an eye on. But now he is he, he is ahead of Stevie, um, no doubt about it. But I mean, Stevie's de- development just didn't stop though, did it? For for a number of years, he just kept going and going and going and going. Like I think when he first came on the scene, we all knew he was going to be a good player, but I don't know whether we ever um, realised he was going to turn into what he did. So he just we- grocked up. Remember that like that pre season, yeah. and he come out and we're like, "Fucking hell! Look at the size of Stevie." 
And then from like probably about 19 to 21, I think he really like accelerated his development and then yeah. he, he just he was just brilliant, wasn't he, after that? But yeah, Bellingham's definitely ahead in terms of achievements, like games played, international caps, all of that stuff. The level he's playing at, I mean, Dortmund's top of the league, aren't they, at the moment? So he's playing in like a, a really good team as well. Um, There's but, the maturity element as well, yeah, though, isn't there? You know, when yeah. you hear him speak, it's like night and day, isn't it, to what Stevie was like at that age? I mean, Stevie's great now. But when he was younger, uh, I don't know whether there was different forms of like yeah, of training and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> no, they, get that they, they do get media training and that, but like you, you've still got a, you know, I don't think you can you can fake that. Like they, he's definitely like the maturity. The fact that he hangs around with Hendo, who's like uh, what eleven years older than him, for them to be able to be like mm-hmm. such good mates like that, that shows you like he, he's not your typical nineteen yeah. year old. So, uh, yeah, um, he's definitely ahead of Stevie, but that doesn't mean he'll go on to be as good as Stevie, but who knows, he might be better. You, you just you don't know, do you? Did you guys see that? Um, I think it was a tweet about how much football he's com- he's played for his age, and I it was did, the list yeah. of all of those players who played that much before their like, 20th birthday, and the precipitous drop-off. In, in the list of players that sort of uh, had played that much football, and it was it was names like Rooney... Sterling and Eden Hazard and um, who else was in it? Yeah, I did see it. There was Deli, a, did I say Deli Alley? I'm yeah, not Deli sure. Alley was, was it? Neymar was in it as yeah. well. And like there were all these players who had sort of their peak was much earlier than everybody else, and um, mainly because of how much football when they played at 18, 19, 20, and the drop off after that was you know quite huge, and that's. I thought that was quite relevant as well because yeah. we've been sort of having that discussion about Trent recently in a roundabout way, like whether we whether we perhaps have seen the the best from him in the earlier years of his career. Yeah, it's definitely got to be a bit of a concern, but you need to manage that, don't you? You know, you, you wouldn't you wouldn't be playing him sixty games a season, although the temptation yeah. is to do it because you know he's young and fit, he could probably do it. You have got to look further down the line. Uh, you know, Klopp said about Trent and Robbo, didn't he? He was like, I can't have them playing like 50-odd games a season because it's going to shorten the careers. And then they played like 50-odd games a season ever mm-hmm. after he'd said it because we were never really in a position where we couldn't. He, like, he, he just kept picking them because he felt like he had to. But in an ideal world, you wouldn't want to do that. But then I also think that comes down to what we do in the summer. It's like if, if we just bring him in, he's going to need to be playing a hell of a lot. But if we go and make like three signings and you you just those three are to replace, say for argument's sake, obviously Cater and Ox, and say if the third one would be like Arthur, if they were the three who went and three came in and you kept everybody else, you'd still have enough options to you know, to mix and match a bit and you wouldn't need to play them all of the time. But it depends on what we do really and who else comes in. And you're also we can't be signing players who, who like you can't rely on to stay fit. You know, we've got to be careful. Players who we bring in do not sign players with like an injury history, because we've done that and it's not paid off. It's backfired on us. Like Ox and Cater didn't really have an injury history. To be fair, you couldn't really have predicted what's happened with him, but Ox did. And like the amount of games Thiago as well, the amount of games that they've missed, it means other players are having to play more games than than you really want them to. So if you don't want to burn them out, you need to have other options in the squad. Yeah, that's a good point, that rotation thing, because where you said about Trent and Robbo, although they have been playing a lot, 
they come off after about an hour, don't they? Quite regularly when you look recently, at it. Recently, yeah. Um, yeah, he's been that doing that. That seemed to recently. a bit of a change in, in how we approached it around them. So you'd, you would like to think he'd want to do the same if we were to sign Bellum. And I, I know we're talking here as if we've signed him already. <laughs> I, I'm not as far down the line as you are on that, I must say. Um, but I don't think anyone would be surprised if it happened, would we? Uh, but yeah, that is the key thing, is being able to give him a rest, not just literally from the start, but can you get him off early if, if he's there? That's going to be important. Speaking of midfielders who need to sort of contribute a little bit more than they have been and midfielders who have struggled with injury and midfielders who are going to need to step up and play a bigger part if if we're to progress in that department. Uh, Curtis did a thing last week mm. from the under-21s, right? You see that goal he scored, Bernie? Yeah, I did, yeah. Yeah, it was good. He's playing now as well, actually. I was watching it just before we, we came on. Um, England are playing against Croatia. Um, mm-hmm. it's, good, it's good to see him getting some game time, in it? Like, that's what he needs. Yeah. He needs a run of games. He doesn't seem to be able to stay fit enough to, to do that. And obviously, if it's not going to be with us and it can be with England in this break, then this could be one of the small positives you might potentially get out of an international break because he definitely needs to... To step up, I mean, I've I've probably gone past the point of expecting anything to happen with him going forward. If I'm honest with you, um, mm-hmm. yeah, I'd, I'd have concerns if I was him about what where he's going to be playing his football next year. If, if I, I think if I was him, I I'd sort of be looking. I'd be sort of looking at the Nico Williams kind of route, Dave, and just thinking whether I perhaps I'd be better off elsewhere because I don't say this lightly, but. I do think that Curtis Jones has been negatively affected by playing in a Jurgen Klopp team. I think he would have been further ahead in his development now if he'd have been playing under a manager that didn't demand so much functionality from his midfielders and someone who was going to allow him to be a little bit more expressive. Because I saw that, that the goal he scored the other night and it was you know like a charging, direct run from midfield, like laid it off, there was pace about it, there was intensity about it and, and then an ocean you know, finish. the finish was great. And we don't see that from him. Finish that was, I know. Oh, gosh. It was like, look, you just can poo-poo it all you like, but that's a fact. I scored so many goals like that; it's just ridiculous. But now you're right, and you should be worried. All I'd say there, though, about the Nico Williams point, Nico Williams has basically swapped our bench for Forrest because he started mm. off; he was in the team, but now he's he's lost his place to that Serge Aurier, um, and they've got that Lottie playing left back, I think. So. He's been coming on, playing on the wing, playing on the left wing, and then he's on the bench, and then the next game he starts. So it's not like he's gone on to like bigger and better things, and he's playing every week. It's 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 like it's like uh, Danny Ward swapped our bench for Leicester's bench. It's like, well, do you really want to do that? Like, if you're gonna leave, it's got to be somewhere where you're gonna be definitely playing. And Curtis seems happy enough. Now that's not gonna go on forever, but he is. I mean, the fact he's playing in the under twenty ones. It shows you, you know, he's still a kid. I know he's been around for mm. a good few years, but relatively speaking, he's still a kid. And I How think old is he? He's 21, isn't he? All right. I, maybe, I he maybe. Because there's a maybe rule in the way you can now. have, I don't yeah, know, but can have a couple of overnight Might be 22 players. now, but again, it's like, that's still really young. And But because he's been around the team for so long, you kind of think he's older than he is. Um but I do agree that, like, you know, he's got to be thinking maybe time's running out. He's because this was a big season for him. He really needed to to make some kind of impression, and he's made absolutely no impression at all. And it's not really because his form; he's just not played. I mean, I can barely remember him even being on the pitch all season, to be honest. Mm. 
it, it'd be interesting to see how many games he's actually started because I'm thinking it's like maybe two or three, something like that. Uh, so it's a, it's a problem, but what he's got in his favour is the homegrown thing. You know, we can't just get rid of all like the English players in the squad. You, you, you can't do it because you've got to have so many. Well, it's not so much that you've got to have so many, but like you can only have 18 overseas players. Well, then the rest of your squad has got to be made up of like homegrown players. So if you choose to go in with like a small squad, then you can lose like a Joe Gomez or a Milner or Curtis, whatever. But if you want to keep a big squad, then you've got to either replace them with other homegrown players or you keep them. And I think he'll probably still be here next year, but I don't think it's 100% by any means. And it goes back to your point before as well, though, about needing reliable cover. Yeah. You know, when we talked about Bellingham, well, Curtis is a perfect example that you can't trust him to be fit when you want mm. him to be, so you can rest someone else. So that, that's got to come into it as well for me. I do think, though, like when they're talking about the injury that he had, like the, the most recent one, and it was related, his last couple of injuries actually, it's been related to growth. And it's like, okay, that doesn't mean he's injury prone. That's just something that he's got to go through. And we spoke before about Stevie had that. Stevie was younger when he had that. But it does happen sometimes with younger players and you've got to just let them get through that until they're fully grown. So he's obviously still developing physically and he's going to get some problems along the way. Um, if they think that his issues have only been related to that, then you just you be patient, don't you? And you just let him go th- get, get himself through it. Um, so I wouldn't be calling him injury prone at this point when his body's still developing. If that's still happening when he's twenty three, twenty four, well then yeah, you know he's he's another ox or cater, isn't he? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's my a fair concern point. is less. My concern is less that brownie. It's more the fact that we just don't see any exuberance from him anymore. Like he's, it, it feels like he plays it safe all the time. He second guesses everything he's doing. Like I don't know. I. I would love to see Curtis Jones become the player I think he would could be that could match his talent, but he's such a square peg in a round hole at the moment, um, and I just don't see that changing with the with the game time he's likely to get in a midfield three. Yeah, it does come back to what you said before about how we play as well, like the midfield. We've spoke about it all season about how when we were at our best, those three really were just putting fires out, doing a lot of shuttle runs, giving the ball to the players who can go and do the damage, but. What you're saying there is fair about Curtis that coming through, you looked at him to be the player to do the damage, didn't you? Rather than just be like mm-hmm. a bit of a water carrier. Um, so, that yeah, whether he fits into the style, that that's just one of a number of factors around why there's question marks on him, I guess. As well with that, because though, it's like he's not the only one, is he? Because No, we said it about can, Harvey as well, yeah, didn't we? Yeah, I, I do think Harvey's starting to show that he probably could just be like a, a centre midfield player if he had mm. legs around him. I don't, Harvey's like, you know, his last, his most recent appearances, I mean, the work rate that he's put in and winning the ball back and that, it's like he's looked like, okay, yeah, there might be something that he might settle down into that position long term. But you've got Carvalho as well, who just, again, it's... And this also, we may as well talk about this now while we're on this point. Mason Mount... We keep getting linked at Mason mm. Mount, and I think Mason Mount's like a really good player, but he's another tweener. It's like, well, what is he? Is he a midfielder or is he in the front three? He's not quick enough to play in the front three, and is he? Is he? Does he do enough, like defensively, to play in midfield? And by defensively, I don't mean like pressing and work rate because that's exemplary from him. That's not an issue, but he's not naturally a defensive-minded player. 
you know what I mean? So it's like if unless we're changing what what we want from our midfield players, it's a bit puzzling that we're getting linked with Mason Mount. And also, where does it leave Curtis if we're not if if we want like the the midfield that we had like to function the way they did? If that's what we're looking for, those players don't really seem to fit now. And you can, Bellingham as well. I mean, Bellingham can do it, but why would you have a player like that? You know, with with all that he can do. And you're restricting him to just, you know, sitting in there and doing like the genie role, if you like, or even like the Hendo role. He can do it, but he can do so much more. So mm-hmm. I do think that maybe they must be looking at like changing what they want from the midfield. Yeah, it's an interesting point that I haven't, never, I haven't thought about it with Bellingham about where he would play because you look at him and you think he can be a six, he can be an eight, he can be a ten because he can do anything, can't he? That's why everybody's yeah. so interested in. But him we don't play with a ten. No, we don't. No, so, yeah. So mm-hmm. it, it is interesting to think where where would you slot him? You think maybe the Hendo role like you just touched on, but there's a lot of defensive duties to do. And the more I've been watching Bellingham recently, they seem to these coaches who he's playing for now seem to be taking the shackles off him and letting mm-hmm. him kind of be the main man. You know, almost like a bit of a free role. Um, so yeah, it will be interesting to see. Just going back to Curtis though, um, Harvey's actually in the under twenty one squad as well, and Curtis is getting pick, though, picked ahead of him. Yeah, yeah, Curtis yeah. is actually getting picked ahead of him, which. It's quite interesting. Now, it might just be that the way they set up and play means that Curtis's ability can come out a little bit more based on... Chris's Isn't he playing up front before. tonight? I've seen on Twitter he's playing as a false nine. No, I'm not sure. That's always where I've thought his position, his proper position is. We talk about him being what, a like tweener. like Bobby? Yeah. I, th- I think he can do what Gakpo does. Hmm. I think I've, he can I've do some thought, of the things, thought... but I don't know defensively. I don't know. Sure, maybe not, but I've always thought that it was worth a try with him in that role. If if there was a place that he would fit into our team, that false nine, I think yeah. he has the ability on the ball to do it. And I think he has just about probably enough pace to do it as well. But maybe it's the defensive thing. I just don't know why we haven't given it a try. There's been enough opportunities, but we've never seen it. So no. there must be something that means I'm way off base with it. I just don't know what he is, and when you're talking about a player after a few years, and yeah, okay, he's missed a lot of games, but when you're having those kinds of conversations and you don't know what a player is, it's never a good sign, is it? He's a 10, or he's like someone who'll play on the left in a 4-2-3-1, you know, cutting in like the, the way Coutinho used to, but we don't play that way, you know, we need pace out wide, so he can't play out wide in the way we in our setup, so it only leaves... A number eight position, doesn't it? But also going back to that, <clears throat> like with the Mason Mount and Bellingham, but the other players are being linked with as well, like that Nunes from Wolves. Well, he's someone who gets the ball and just runs with it. You know, he's really good at carrying the ball forward, but he's not like a, a Wijnaldum type of player. Um, and then the lads at Bayern Munich who play for Ajax, like Gravenberch. Again, he just, looking at like clips of him, he just looks like Bellingham. He just seems to be like a... a, a um, very similar type of player to Bellingham. So again, that they're not like we're not looking at midfielders who fit the profile of what mm-hmm. we've had in mid, from midfielders in the past. So it does feel like we must be looking at evolving and doing something different. Do you reckon that Gravenberch is a, is a um, sorry, Chris? Do you reckon that Gravenberch no, is like a backup option for Bellingham? In case no, it no, I think I think the. Um, I don't think we need a backup for Bellingham because I think that's, <laughs> that's what I'm getting at. But what I do think is, because he is really similar, I just think that might be one where you look at his age, and yeah, he's not really done anything at Bayern Munich. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't even read anything into that. He's getting kept out of the team by like two world class players. So 
he was great at Ajax. He was really highly rated. The fact that Bayern Munich signed him, you know, Bayern Munich, like, they do sign, like, a lot of good young players. They know what they're doing. They signed him. It's not really worked out, and, and he may well just be thinking, these are the, the players ahead of me are, like, quite young. I don't really fit in here tactically or whatever. And he might just be looking for a change. And because he's available for, you know, a pretty much knockdown fee, it's one of those no-brainers where, like, you can't really lose by signing him because you wouldn't lose out. You know, you'd probably sell him on for more money unless he's completely dog shit, which, you know, he's not going to be. So that might just be one. We've not got, like, unlimited funds. So if you spend the bulk of your money on Bellingham and you've still got to get two midfielders, well, if Chelsea are asking for, like, 80 million for Mason Mount or something... Well, maybe then you look at like the thirty million, what thirty million euros? I think the fee that they've been talking about for him. Maybe you go and get him. Plus the fact he's like twenty-one. If he comes good, you know, if you get him and he, and he turns out to be really good, and you've got a midfield of like Bellingham and Gravenberch, and then you've got Bajetic, like potentially as like your future six. Not to mention Elliot. You know, if if they do come good, you're set for like the next ten years, aren't you? You can subscribe to the Liverpool Way podcast on all the major platforms, whether it's Apple, Google, Spotify, Amazon or Podbean. Just search for the Liverpool Way, leave us a review and hit subscribe to automatically receive all new episodes. You can also head to liverpoolway.co.uk and grab a TLW season ticket for just £3 a month. There's tons of exclusive content, including match reports from every Liverpool game, weekly Premier League roundups, the TLW diary and access to the members only forum. Lastly, you can follow us on social media at the Liverpool Way on Twitter and at the Liverpool Way TLW on Instagram and Facebook. Well, one more thing that happened during the international break has been happening is that Van Dijk is, you know, he can't escape it at the moment. He's getting absolute pelters mm. from Van Basten and Hullet in um, in Holland. And if you haven't heard these comments, I'll just I'll just read some of them quickly. Um, Van Basten said, he makes noise, but he doesn't say anything. He is not clear. A good captain thinks aloud, makes it clear what's going on. He stays in between. He creates chaos that leads to understandings. This is what you, as a captain, must prevent. And then Hullet said, he thinks he's better than the rest. We see things. Then I think, you're captain. You have to solve this. But he's just commenting a little on what's happening in front of him. That's pretty. That's pretty damning from like arguably two of the most instrumental, world-renowned Dutch footballers in the history of the game, um, Brownie. Like, do you think there's merit in that, or do you think they're just sort of like jumping in on him, talking heads, having to say something? I know he's got quite a little bit of an adversarial relationship with some of the ex-players at Liverpool and indeed with his with his national team. Yeah, I'd say it's a bit of both in it. I mean, let's be honest. That maybe I need to be a bit careful saying it, but the Dutch love an argument, don't they? For the start, mm-hmm. they they just love having a fallout, and then when things don't go well, they just start pointing fingers at each other. So I think there's an element of that to it. Um, as you say, he's had a bit of a running feud, I think, with Van Basten in particular over a number of years. So when results aren't going well, I mean, they conceded four, didn't they? Didn't they lose four nil in one yeah. of the games? So he's going to get heat. Yeah. So it, it can't be a surprise he's getting a little bit of heat on that. But having said that, there probably is also an element of truth to it because, I mean, we've been coming on here all season questioning him. Just look at that goal at Bournemouth a couple of weeks ago where we can't understand why he's stopping, you know. So the, it's probably one of them where it's a bit... It is a bit of both. It's not just the case that they've lost a couple of games and they're jumping on him because he's an easy target or being the captain and, you know, world-class player and all that. He's definitely not in good form. I don't think he's in a good place with how he's playing, which is a concern, obviously, for us in the running. But 
whether he can bounce back from it, I don't know. We'll see in the next few weeks, won't we? Mm-hmm. Dave? Yeah, well, did you see the other quotes as well from the, the uh, former Feyenoord manager? You called him a first-class yeah. wimp. Oh, like, gosh. fucking hell. I mean, that's like... I don't know who he is or if he's like a respected pundit or if he's just someone who's like... He's just there to say controversial stuff and get people talking. I don't know. I, no opinion on the guy at all because I've never heard of him. But obviously I've heard of Van Basten and Hullet. Um Van Basten has said plenty of stuff about Virgil and Virgil's had to go back at him. As far as I know, this might be the first time Hullet's really laid into him. I could be wrong, but I've not seen anything before. But the thing with Hullet is like whenever he's a pundit and, and he's, on, he's on telly, he's never somebody who... When he talks, I think, oh, yeah, he's talking a lot of sense. Yeah, he knows what he's on about. Do you know what I mean? He's like, he's a great player. Mm-hmm. But sometimes when like yeah. when, when people are on and like and they're, they're talking, you listen and you think, is he, is he making good points? Is he saying something that I've not really thought about? Do I feel like educated by listening to him? So like when you've got like Carragher and Neville for all like the, the, the criticism they get and like some of it deserved, when they're analysing the game and they're pointing stuff out, Usually they're pointing stuff out that I've not picked up on. I'm like, oh, I feel actually like more enlightened from seeing that now. Whereas with Drew Tullett, it was like, I don't think I've ever seen him say anything that's made me go, oh, yeah, yeah, he knows what he's talking about, this fella. He just seems like a great player who talks a fair bit of shit. And there's a lot of them about, do you know what I mean? There is a lot of them. So I don't necessarily take his opinion like to mean that much. But based on like Virgil, what we've seen from him ourselves, I mean, I don't think any of us have gone as strongly as what they have, questioning like you know, saying like he talks, but he's not actually saying anything. I'm like, mm, I don't know. I mean, there's been times this year where I feel like the leadership's not been there at the back. He's not always been there. You know, most of the time he's not been playing when that's happening, and that was the whole thing about getting him back. Was like, well, get him back, you know, just because he can organise people. Um, so I think it's over the top, but I didn't see the France game. He might have been horrendous in that game, and maybe it's a it's a reaction to that. I don't know, but in general, I feel like that's excessive, but not completely without foundation. Mm-hmm. Um, but the Dutch, I mean, not so much now. To be fair, I don't think recently they've, they've had any problems with that. But like from like the era of like Hullet, Van yeah, Basten, when they, and, when they and played, following on. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Following on from them, they've always had like Seydorf and Davids all of that. They've always had like bust ups mm-hmm. in the camp. It's like the Dutch and the French. Every World Cup, one of them was going to be having some kind of a big blow up. Yeah. Now it seems like the Holland have got like a, a decent team spirit at the moment. You know, I thought like the um, they did quite well in the World Cup. They went quite far. Uh, they went out some penalties, didn't he? Yeah, against Argentina. It comes with results, that though. They've, they've been building back over a number of years, haven't they? They did well in that Nations League thing, which we all know is a load of bollocks, but mm. to them, they seem to enjoy doing well in it. And they definitely were starting to come back up, weren't they? So it, you've got to look at it that way as well. Uh, as soon as it starts going south again, you do get these people coming out. Yeah. And I agree with you about Hullet. Like, he, didn't he used to do the Champions League coverage years ago when it was on Sky? I'm, I'm sure he did. Yeah. Um, and I'm the same. And I never thought he provided any insight when no. when he when he spoke. Um, he was just another like kind of renter quote. You know, they come out with all the cliches, don't they? They yeah. don't really mm-hmm. give you anything new, which is what you want. Um, I think it doesn't matter what he thinks about Van Dijk or what Van Basten thinks about him. I think what the the current Dutch players who are in the team with him now, it matters what they think. And if they think he's talking shit, 
you know, you know, he's talking a lot but not saying anything. If they think that, then it's a problem. If like someone sitting in a studio back home watching the game is, is making those observations, I'm not reading too much into that. But what you have to be concerned about is are they getting that from people in the camp, maybe? Are, are other people in the Dutch squad saying that behind the scenes about Virgil? Now, there's nothing that to say that there is. You know, that's just pure speculation. Um and like it doesn't seem to be any problems like with our players with them, you know. He seems to be like very well respected, and I mean, even like the other day, it was like Canate was asked something about um, who's who's better, Upper Meccano or Van Dyke, and he just laughed, and he was like, you know, nobody's even close to his level. He said, you know, myself and Upper Meccano were both like trying to get to where Virgil is, but like. You know, no one's even close to that level. He's on another level to everyone. And there was a forward as well. Um, oh, I can't remember it was. I seen something the other day, like a forward saying like Van Dyke's like the best player he's played against in that. So I I put more stock in that than like Ruud Hullet and and Marco Van Basten sitting mm-hmm. in the studio, like just sounding off. It is it is significant though. I I think there's there's a growing number of players within our team, Brownie, who let's just say what there's like. 10 or 12 games left this season. Is it 10 games, 12 games? Um, but there's a, growing num- there's a growing number of players in the squad who, between the end of this season and what they produce for us next season, is, is really, really big for them. Like, Virgil's one of them. Trent is another. Hendo's one. Fabinho is one. Salah is another. Like, there, there seems to be a lot of question marks at the moment about a lot of the senior pros, for whatever reason whatsoever, and there are a variety of reasons, be it, like, age, drops in forms, injury concerns, the full gamut of stuff that can happen to a footballer. But there is a lot of players in the squad at the moment who have been great for us that the next year and a half is massively important. Yeah, that's just natural, though, isn't it, when the results start going the way they have done this year. Um, I... <laughs> It's easy to forget what these players have have given us over a number of years, isn't it? You know what I mean. When you look, mm-hmm. when you think about the spell we're talking about, it's it's months compared to years of high quality performances, and we've already seen a couple of years ago when we had the COVID season how we reacted the year after. So I'm not at, at a point here where I'm, I would be writing off these players from being able to come back again. Um, it's the th- age. There might though. be one or two. Yeah, there might be one or two where like Fabinho's more of a concern to me than Van Dijk for, for the start um, just because of how far he fell I know he's played alright last couple of games but I mean that that wasn't a dip was it <laughs> it was a collapse mm-hmm. um, I think it's fair enough to describe Virgil's form as dipping but not to the degree that Fabinho did so there's, there's going to be exceptions to the rule but for, for, I, I won't I, I'm certainly not um writing Virgil off and most of the other players who you just listed there'll always be one or two exceptions but I, I, no, I, he, he needs to finish the season well there's no doubt about that I mean we spoke I touched upon it earlier this next week's huge isn't it? and we're going to mm-hmm. need Van Dijk to have a good week aren't we to, to be getting yeah. some points on the board That that's that's obvious so um, we just have to wait and see how he reacts to it my concern a little bit with Virgil is he seems to be a bit fragile when he gets criticised we've seen it in the past haven't we that he's bitten back quite a lot and he gets a little bit precious when he's asked about it I know yeah. that his, his reaction to this seems to have been alright but he's going to have to put the performances in because we know don't we it's football the highest level the only way you get people to stop talking shit is by putting good performances in and getting results it's as simple as that yeah okay well that brings us sort of quite neatly really to one of the questions that we had from 
a listener probably probably spent a little bit too much time talking about the the international stuff than I'd anticipated, but um, it's all good. Um, Andrew Ellaby on Twitter, Dave, um, said, if you had to sell one of Hendo, Van Dyke, Trent, Robbo, Salah or Thiago this summer, what would be the pecking order? And two, do you reckon Fabinho is, do you reckon Fabinho having a baby this year is a possible explanation for his dire form? If he actually had a baby, then yeah, it would be a definite <laughs> explanation for it. But as far as I know, it was his missus who had the baby. So no, I don't think right. that's, that's a legitimate excuse. Um, oh, the first part of that question, though, fucking hell, that's, that's tough. I'm putting Tiago at number one, for the one who I, I would sell first, even though I love Tiago. I think from that list, it's the obvious choice because of availability. Um and the length of what he's delivered for us. Yeah, that is well. The, well, I think we also have to dismiss that like in terms of loyalty aspect and what they've done for us. I think if you you you're too gotta, loyal, Dave. I know because that that's what we're saying Klopp shouldn't be doing. I, I don't right. think I don't think like that we can look at it from from that point of view. Um I honestly don't even know. All I can say is like Tiago, I could make a case for selling him. I don't want to sell him. I'd, I'd happily keep him, but I could make a case for Thiago going. I would not be getting rid of any of the others. Um, I can't. Put, you know what? It's, you see, the next one you'd probably say, based on importance to the team, you you could say, okay, well, if Bellingham came in, you could move Hendo on. But part of the reason why Bellingham oh. would be coming here is because of Hendo and like what he brings mm. off the pitch. Uh, so I would not be putting Hendo at number two. I Don't think wash like, your mouth out. No, a lot of people would. I'm not doing it. Um, <laughs> in fact, I'm just not doing it. <laughs> I'll go Tiago one, and then um, after that, like no, and I'd, I'd be selling Robbo over my dead body. <laughs> Robbo, Robbo's number six on that list, and then you can just move the others around, whatever order you want. But Who Thiago was on the one, list, Chris? Robbo was six. was Fabinho on the list? No. No, no he was mentioned Dijk, in the second. I Trent. think Fabinho's off the list because he would be the he's the probably yeah. the obvious choice. But the Hendo one, Van Dijk, yeah. Trent, Robbo, Salah, or Thiago. Yeah, I'm the same as Dave. I know it's boring, but okay. Thiago's the only one. Now, did, a bit of that loyalty thing does come into it though, because I'm right in thinking, aren't I, Thiago? As Thiago, um, he hasn't won the league or Champions League with us, has no. he? I know we won a couple yeah. of things last year, but that's a big thing for me. You know, when you win the league and you win the Champions League, and you've got all them memories of of how you've done it and the celebrations and everything. Like, all right, yeah, he seems to. Down. Nobody missed the boat of it, didn't he, Thiago? It's it's a, yeah. it, it's a bit harsh on him, really, because he's come a little bit late and, yeah, he's won a couple of cups, but that's not what we're going to remember from the, from this spell, is it? We're going to remember Madrid. We're going to remember winning the league. So in that sense, it's easier to just say, yeah, go on, you're, you're the one who's going. Who's six, then? I know we can't do two, three, four, and five. It's too hard, but who's, who's six? Who's the last one that you would get rid of from that list? Hendo. I'd go with Robbo. Um, a lot of that comes down. How old Robbo? He's not as old as some of the others, is he? So he's kind of in his prime. He might he's have just turned twenty nine, actually. Yeah, but he's still kind of close. If he's not in his prime, he's close to it. Um, this is birthday at Bournemouth, are... wasn't he? <laughs> Was it? <laughs> yeah. yeah, happy, happy birthday, birthday Robbo. Yeah. Oh, um, yeah, I'd probably say Robbo. When you weigh everything else up, possibly Mo. It'd be it'd be between them two for me. Okay, I'm just going to go Hendo because he's my favourite footballer of all and, time. So. And Thiago is would be your other one for one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
we've yeah, we've like right. copped out a little bit there, but it's too hard. <laughs> Big time. It's too hard. It is too hard. Um, all right, so we kind of sort of covered this a little bit, Brownie, but um, AWS on the forum, AWS, longtime friend of the show and the podcast and the oh, um, and the fanzine. Um, he says, "Would you spend all of our kitty into midfield this summer um, to improve, like over a broader?" Hold on, I'm reading that wrong. All of our kitty into midfield and maybe a centre-back or spend less in midfield to improve the cover up front or at right-back? Ah, midfield all day. All day. If the money's there for Bellingham, then obviously that's the one that that we want to do. But that is definitely... I know that as the season's gone on, it's been clear that we don't just have a problem in midfield. There's issues all over the place, but I do think a lot of it stems from midfield. Um, we've got to sort that area of the pitch out. We need legs. We need That's the area that we haven't really been trying to refresh over the last few years, isn't it? So we've fallen behind yeah. on it. So that's got to be number one priority. Yeah, same. You- Definitely midfield. Just because, just following on from Brownie's point there, I also think that we've got a lot of other problems. But I'd like to see if those problems are still there once we fix yeah. the midfield. And like I think some of them still will be, but maybe not as glaring. So I think Trent would look better with yeah. with, with well, a more stable midfield. You, you That's just do, one example. Can't do everything in the one window. You know, there's there's no way we're gonna be able to do that. So it's like this summer is where we've got to completely rebuild the midfield and then take it from there and see after that what we need. So like yeah, we we do need another centre back, but if we had to just get by with what we've got, even if it's until January, you know sort the midfield out and then see where we are and if, if we still need to get another centre-back because of injuries. I think if, if they all stay fit, I'm not worried about the centre-backs really. Um, it's just the, the, you know, the fitness issues and then Van Dijk and Canate having to play all the time because like, the other two are injured and you know, Canate's had injuries himself. So that is a concern, but maybe you're just telling that Phillips sorry Nat <laughs> you need to stay for another six months I know you're planning on leaving and I know we've done this to you like the last four windows but we can't take a chance you've got to stay as cover uh, but no sort the midfield out and then see where we're at and then see what needs doing afterwards are you okay Brownie if um, come August 31st and Jude Bellingham is the only signing that we make over the transfer window. Would you be satisfied with that? Would you be okay with it moving into the new season and getting to January, having secured that signing, potentially transformational that could stay with us for the next 10 years or more? Very good question. Um, yes. Dave? I would say no at the time, but I think it would. I'd be pissed off at the... Like, August 31st I'd be pissed off if, if that was the only signing we made but I'd get over it and in a year's time like you know when we bring in other players you'd be looking at it and going fucking hell you know, we've, we've got you Bellingham he's amazing it's it kind of like when we had to wait for Van Dyke, we were all fuming and said oh why didn't you just go and sign somebody else mm-hmm. you know you can't you can't carry on like that and to be fair the way that first half of the season went completely justified what the fans were saying you know, we were just shipping goals all over the place. We are playing great football, but we were just letting in too many goals. So the fans' concerns about, like, you should have bought a centre-back were valid, but we waited, and then Virgil comes in January, and the patience is rewarded. But that doesn't change the fact that for those those months in between, you could see we definitely needed a centre-back, and that's why people were saying we should have done it. Uh, so 
Klopp will wait for who he wants, and it, you know it's not a quick fix. He'll probably be looking like long term rather than just for one window. But I'd be pissed off at the time, but I'd get over it. I just think the would Bellingham have- would be transformational, though, Chris, which is why I agree. Why I would say that mm-hmm. because some on the face of it doesn't look good, does it? But context is important with everything. It's going to take an awful lot of money as well. You can't get away from that fact that I don't know how much money we've got to spend. You always hear, don't you, rumours, oh, we've got a quarter of a billion spend, all this kind of stuff. I, I don't really put much stock in that based on what we normally do. Um, yeah, I would... I if, if that's doable, if he wants to come here and we don't make it happen, then heads have got to roll, haven't they? Simple yeah. as that. Yeah, good stuff. Okay, um, Brownie, Remy on the forum... Uh, Another long-time friend of the the show and the fancy and everything. He he asked this question, presumably with his balls in, but we can never quite be sure. (laughs) (laughs) If everybody is is fit and in top form, who starts in the front three? (laughs) Sorry. I'm going to need a minute. (laughs) Well, allow me to explain that then. Like, Remy... I mean, I'm not giving away anything here because there's pictures all over the internet of this cat with his balls out. And as long as we keep his real name out of it. <laughs> exactly. He, uh, yeah, he's he's partial to exposing his testicles. He was. In, I don't think he still does. No, it. he's a father in his, now. In his younger, he's younger, reckless Yeah, days. he's a married father and he's a respectable young man. There was this one time... <laughs> <laughs> Is this the he toothbrush? Came... Yeah, the toothbrush. <laughs> this is the greatest thing ever. So, he, Remy came up from, I think he was living in Preston at the time. He's from Milton Keynes, but I think he was living in Preston. And he came over to my apartment in Liverpool to, just to watch the Royal Rumble. And a few of us gathered to watch the, the WWF Royal Rumble. I think it was like 2007 or 2008 and something. It was a great Royal Rumble as well. We played this we played this drinking game where there was I think there were six of us and you had like five Royal Rumble participants each and every time your guy got eliminated from the Battle Royal, you had to, you had to take a drink. <laughs> and Remy was there, Longo off the forum was there as well. <laughs> I have a great picture somewhere of Longo just sat on the the floor of my stairs, like outside my apartment block with his head in his hands. Because <laughs> about like five of his dudes got Eliminated within the space of like about 25 seconds or something like Kane came in or something for example and just started <laughs> launching people over the top rope and Longo had brought this like horrendous like Uzo or something with him that somebody had brought back off holiday for him oh. and he had to nail about five shots of this in the space of about two minutes and he struggled for it to be honest but we still laugh about it to this day but Remy you know he wasn't so bad in that regard but um, the next day, he'd left and gone back to Preston. He sent me this picture, and it was him with his bollocks on my toothbrush. <laughs> <laughs> and I was I was quite upset about this at the time, so I thought I've got to hatch some kind of revenge plan. So I told you guys about it, and we sort of hatched this plan where you guys all acted disgusted by what he's done. You're all like, oh god can't believe you've done that Rem like Chris has invited you to come and stay in his house and that's how you repay him such a betrayal of trust and and bless him he was so upset oh he was devastated he quit the forum for a little while and then after that I felt so bad that I had to come clean and say no mate it's fine like but let that be a lesson to you 
Um, anyway, his question was, um, if everybody's in fit and in top form, who starts in the front three? And I got very experienced with his front three. (laughs) 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 Two of them, anyway. Oh, my God. Okay, over to you. Um, Darwin's got to be in it. He has to. Hang on, what, what was the question? Are we saying when they're all in form? All yeah, at the best? All fitting and yeah. formy, please. I'm going to sound like a tit here. So Darwin, um, Mo, and I'd, I'd go with Jota. Now, I'm, mm, I'll be honest with you. Get the fuck out of here. I would, honestly. <laughs> th- think about how clinical he was in that spell. Now, I th- I actually think it was probably a purple patch. I don't think that. I don't think we'll see him do that again. That, that he's. I, I even said a few weeks ago, didn't I? I wouldn't be against possibly to, to raise some funds, whether he was somebody who might be going. But if you're talking about the career at Liverpool so far and at the best, then he was banging goals in left, right and centre and I liked him in that central role. I know that you can say the same about Bobby, but that was years ago, so I'm disregarding that. So that's what I'd go with. Now Diaz for me. Diaz left, Darwin in the middle and Mo on the right. Um, but... In a couple of months' time, I might change my mind, depending on, on Gakpo, because I do think he's potentially, he looks like he could be amazing. Mm-hmm. But right now, if everyone's fit and on top form, it's, yeah, it, Diaz is definitely in there. Um, I don't think Diaz has done enough, oh, to be honest. No, he, it, not in terms of scoring goals. No, I, I love him, by the way, the way he plays. He started to score more, and then he got injured. You know, I think he had like six this season or something. He was... Yeah, he, he looked like he was flying and then he got injured. So now I think he's a superstar. Diaz, Darwin and Mo for me. Chris? Okay. It is a tough one though. It's a tough one because my instinct is to, from what we saw in that Man United game, my instinct is to say Gakpo, but there's not a big enough sample size with him to be able yeah. to well, make Well, Bournemouth the week after, the three of them exactly, played. Exactly, then... right. Um, but yeah, I, I think I'd probably go with um, yours ahead of Brownie's. Darwin on the left. Um, sorry, Diaz on the left, Darwin yeah. in the middle, and Mo on the right. Um, but it's, that's that's why it's such a great question. It's all like subject to change, yeah. and week by week we'll have a different opinion. And if they can all stay fit and in top form, what a fantastic uh, what a fantastic problem that would be to have. Yeah. Well, Gakpo can definitely force his way in there. And if Jota was to get back to that level, I when I think of Jota at his best level, it's it's the Arsenal games. That always mm. just—they're the ones that jump out. Like the Arsenal away game, um, it was the cup semi, wasn't it? Second leg, yeah. and the league game when he just left Ben Shite on his ass, <laughs> uh, just dropped the shoulder. Like you know, he was flying then. He was undroppable, wasn't he? Yeah. At that point, though, because he's just I banging them think, in constantly. I do think you're onto something with the purple patch. I don't necessarily yeah. think that is his level. I hope yeah. I'm wrong, and I hope it is his level, and he gets back to it, but. I think you know. I don't think he's always. I don't think that's his his, his level. To be honest, I agree. I think with him that the question that we had from Andrew earlier of who you who you would sell, um, I'd consider offers for Jota at this point. If it gets us where we need to get in other areas of the field, then I this is be because of that video we did the other day, isn't it? <laughs> be honest, I've seen that. it's when I've he seen it. when he said he doesn't like music. Oh yeah. Yeah, no, no. That, you that were horrified. <laughs> you were absolutely horrified. Yeah. What, what kind of fucking weirdo doesn't like music? <laughs> I always find that I, I don't trust people who don't have a really strong opinion about what kind of music they like. I feel it like should be sort of 
completely integral to somebody's personality what music they like he just said he doesn't like it it's it's like (laughs) it's um, it's not that it's taste in music he just said he doesn't like it well let's let's not start talking about taste in music dave it's a bit like michael Mm. owen isn't it have you ever seen what he said about films (laughs) it's a similar thing like somebody asked him about films i don't watch them because they're not real (laughs) 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 you know it's the whole point come on yeah that was mental all right we've got a few of these to get through um so moving on, uh, number seven on the forum, um, Dave. I think this one's probably more suited for you, but we might get a more sensible answer off Brownie. Uh, Southampton away, last day of the season. Victory gets us top four. Defeat relegates Everton. Discuss. There's nothing to discuss. This is like the easiest question in the world to answer. Yeah. Bye bye Champions League. We'll see you next year. <laughs> Anything to to get missing out on the Champions League for one season, weighed up against getting rid of Everton possibly forever because if they go down the shit that they'd be in financially and that no I, it's actually like it's it's a close call us winning the league on the last I was game. just going to say the same I was going to ask and, and come down just, just on the side of us winning the league but it's close <laughs> it's a lot closer than I'd like to admit to put it that way but top four no I, them going down all day it I might surprise. Like I, yeah, I was just going to say, I might surprise you here, Chris, but hundred percent Everton going down because we know okay. we're going to be back in the Champions League yeah. at some point. That that's just temporary, isn't it? Whereas if they go down, I don't know how quickly they come back up. That's the funniest thing about it because the situation they're being financially and everything, it's it's no guarantee that they bounce straight back up. Well, the football we, we league get, don't mess about with penalties with, with yeah. financial stuff, do they? So we could get years out of that. That'd mm-hmm. be hilarious, wouldn't it? Your new shiny How brand new be... stadium uh, at home against Rotherham. That'd be fucking boss. <laughs> I think that's a bit mean, to be honest. No. Like, but why would you want to get rid of them completely? What What would you be without Everton to make fun of? I know, Dave? but like... I've I've had more than enough fun. Over the years, I've had like a, 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 you know ten lifetimes worth of, of fun laughing at Everton, and if it came to an end now and there was like they were no more, I'd be fine with yeah. that. I've got enough happy memories to look back mm. on. I don't need any more. There's like that thread that was on on Twitter the other day. The Everton fan he was like looking for was gold stories for his book of like just typical Everton things, and I'm reading through it like oh my god, I'd forgotten all about that. This is just amazing. So, yeah, I, I do think like we've reached a tipping point anyway where it, they've gone way beyond mm. the point where I can take the piss out of them anymore. I can't. It like, will keep yeah. going, though, in the championship. Honestly, they, they just keep finding new ways, don't they? Like, you would think that that's them gone down, right? That we That's the end of it. The, the content will keep coming. they keep doing it. It'd still be fucking yeah. funny as well. Fuck. Hopefully, it'd be all the way down to the conference. <laughs> See, Playing this, against is, Marine. this is where you two... <laughs> This is where you two and I differ, and the, the the fact that I'm not from the city comes into it in a big way. Because everything that you're saying there to me would be the same way I'd feel if it, if we were talking about Man United, perhaps. Right? I feel the same way about them. <laughs> uh, yeah, precisely. They can <laughs> go as well. Like, I, I think how long did I live in the city for? Like seven years. I've been coming there since I was eight years old, so like thirty three years now. Um, as much as I could ever consider having a second home, it would be there. If I could sort of come back and relive those times, I would. But I never really developed the same hatred for Everton that, that you guys have. I actually kind of just pity them in a way. Like, I don't, you know, it, it's funny and stuff, but, like, I don't seek out that hilarity from their misfortune. It's I, not hatred, I'm though. I'm okay with it happening. 
What is it there? I, it's hard to explain. I hate why do you want to get rid of them completely? I don't hate Everton because it's just because it's just funny. It is just entertainment for me. <laughs> yeah. Like that, it literally is. It. It's just free entertainment and not right. extremely right, like, good. Here's, here's the difference. Like Everton fans hate Liverpool. I don't hate right. Everton. And here's a, I was thinking about this today. Actually, this is a, like a. It's a good point. It's a good example. I just caught the end of an interview today on the radio. Duncan Ferguson was on TalkSport talking to Ali McCoyst and I just caught like the last couple of seconds so I knew who it was. And the interview finishes and my first reaction was, oh, you know what, I like Big Dunk. And I do. I like him. I like Duncan Ferguson. Mm-hmm. Now, can you imagine an Everton fan saying, like, what would be their equivalent? It'd probably be like Stevie or something, wouldn't it? Like the... the <laughs> Because he's like their big talisman, like Mr. Everton. Yeah. I like mm-hmm. Duncan Ferguson. I've got absolutely no problem with Duncan Ferguson. I think he's a top fella. And I don't mind listening to him, getting interviewed and that. I see the videos, what he's doing for like, you know, uh, Everton kids and stuff. And I'm like, you know what? I like Big Dunk. And I'm not ashamed to say so. Now, if I hated Everton the way Everton hate Liverpool, I would not be able to say that. I mean, fucking hell, I'll walk around the house singing Spirit of the Blues. I love that song. It's dead catchy. <laughs> yeah. It's dead catchy. Yeah. If I, When I hear that on Twitter, someone's posted like a funny clip and like, you know, dickheads dancing and they put that like as the soundtrack. I can't get enough of all that stuff because it's, it's hilarious. But I also really like the song. It's dead catchy. And yeah. I, I'll Stop walk, the recording, Chris. It's I'll, walk down, I'll walk down the road just like humming that to myself and people will probably look and think, oh, you must be a blue. <laughs> now, uh, can you imagine an Everton fan singing You Never Walk Alone? It wouldn't happen. So no. I, I, I'm not having it that, like, I hate Everton in the sense that, like, you, you'd think about, like, hate it. It's not that. It's purely, mm. I'd love to see them go down. I think it'd be hilarious. And and mainly for the fans. You know, yeah, some of the fans are sound, but, like, loads of them aren't. And I, I, the more that they suffer, it's like, yeah, it's funny. I want to see it. Okay, I'm right there with you on the songs though. Like, I I do kind of enjoy Grand Old Team when they come out to that, and I'll definitely sing along to that. Even the Red Shape. What the fuck's like, going on here? <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't it you, Brownie, when uh, when we were talking about them on, on like one of the early pods, and you you were talking about them and you said something about you know I've got family members who are blues, and we were expecting you to say and they're all right, and you went they're all fucking dickheads. Oh as yeah, well. yeah, they're all pricks, yeah. <laughs> yeah. To a man and a woman. Oh, Brick. Yeah, that was a classic. That, like, he just caught us all by surprise with that one. <laughs> all right, gosh. Well, on that subject, Brownie, um, Joseph Svejk, I guess that's how you pronounce his name, on the forum. Yeah, no idea. Um, says, uh, which current Everton player would you sign under threat of slow and agonising death? <laughs> Oh my God. I'll take the slow and agonising death. Oh no, yeah, thinking about that. Hello, hello, Mr. Brown. Would you like cancer or AIDS? And fuck it I know who you'd sign, Dave. You'd sign that in honour, so you can make that same fucking oh, yeah. joke every that week. Fucking quality joke. <laughs> I've used that a couple of times since I must have I'd be lying if I said the words. It's a good one. Mm. Um, do you know what? The, he's not all bad shit. Him, actually. He's, he's not like no, he's not awful compared not to the rest. Him. They're all shit. But no, I don't the, the only one I've remotely thought. That, is half decent, probably Damari Gray. Yeah. Dan's boy. 
he's he's hit and miss, but like yeah. when he's on the pitch, I don't I'm think like, he's oh, shit. He'll do something. You know, none of the others. I never think any of the others will do anything. But when he's on the pitch, I think yeah, yeah he might do something. I'll be going. But I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. And he's quite him. inoffensive as well, and he doesn't really look. like We've actually been linked at one of their players. You know, you know that. Remember, he was. Um, I think he played in the derby last year. That Branthwaite, the centre half. He's on loan mm. at PSV, and I've seen quite a few reports saying that like he's on our potential list of, of centre-backs. So, I mean, <laughs> I don't see how they would possibly sell to us. Um, but, yeah, it's interesting that well, we even be a link. If FFP it. comes after them, they might have no choice. Yeah, true. If we're the only team <laughs> in and we're, we're offering... Yeah. If the Premier League take over their transfer business and like <laughs> decide... No, you can't turn that, that offer down. You need to take it. Then, yeah, maybe so. Right. But I don't even know if he's any good or not, but we've been linked to him. And okay. he's on loan at PSV Eindhoven. Actually, you know what I'd do? I'd take Connor Cody, and then I'd just never let him play at all. <laughs> I'd say, no, you can just stay at home. Don't worry about it. Stay at home. Yeah. And just completely like end his career. I would go with um, James Tarkovsky on the basis that He's the centre half that we hold hostage when we allow Nat Phillips to leave. He could fill that like break glass in emergency centre half role that Nat currently occupies. Last two minutes when the other team's throwing a big man up front and you need to go with an extra defender. Yeah, something like that. Plus the fact he's their uh... their main goal threat as well because they can only score from fucking corners. He's either scoring himself or he's nodding them down for someone else to score. So you take him away. I hate him. He can fuck yeah. off. Don't like him. I'm just looking through the squad. I mean, it's hilarious. Um, Andy Lonigan's there, wasn't he with us for a bit? Yeah, the just fucking get, Judas. Just get him back. <laughs> no, no, he's tainted now. Fucking Judas. Andy Lonigan. Like Judas. Santa <laughs> went there as well, didn't he? Did he? Tot- yeah, he totally ruined his, his like glorious Liverpool legacy. Like, he's a Liverpool legend, you know. know. He was he was in Anfield the other day. He's one of the legends, apparently. Yeah, well, he he went to Everton. All right. Hey, that's like the perfect segue um, because we had a question somewhere. I'm just trying to look. Yeah, here you go. Josie Jones on the forum um, said, should there be a minimum requirement to play for Liverpool Legends, Dave? And if so, if so what should it be? Oh, this is that's a good question and it's really tricky. It's e- The easy thing to say is, yeah, there should be. We only want Legends playing. But what you've got to factor in is like the games are for charity and mm. it's whoever's gonna whoever's prepared to turn up and play because it's all well and good just saying like oh yeah you know get like Michael Owen get Torres get Gerard get Carragher playing all like hippie yeah, all like proper legends but if they're not available you've still got to play the game and just because like they can't play ninety minutes you still need a squad of like twenty players so you are going to have to go down like the pecking order a fair bit and you end up with. Salif Diaw and Mark Gonzalez mm-hmm. and Albert Riera. So I don't think you I don't think there should be a minimum requirement. I just think that the top players should be given priority if they want to play. I mean, the game at the weekend, I never watched these games, but I watched probably like I think I put it on after an hour. I watched the last half an hour of it because it was it was live on YouTube, which I didn't know, and I was like just browsing YouTube and I seen that and thought oh, I'll stick it on. And it was alright, I quite enjoyed it to be fair. Um but like Mark Gonzalez scored and I was talking to my dad afterwards and my dad had no idea who he is. And I was trying to explain to him, I was like, don't you remember? Like he played in the Champions League qualifier, he scored on his debut, I said, and like he was meant to be dead fast, but he wasn't. And my dad's like, No, 
no memory of him. You remember the others? You remember like Albert Riera and Cinema Pongol and you know um, Momo Salif. He, he knew all them, but he had no recollection whatsoever of Mark Gonzalez. And yet he's been like the the star of these legends games. He scores like every time he plays. So you seen the uh, size of Momo, by the way. These yeah. Days. Well, <laughs> he can't run, and that was his thing. Like you know, running was his thing, and he can't run anymore. So it's like, well, and, and he can't he, see either, can he? <laughs> he can't see run and he can't too. see. So like, uh, what's what he got going for him? He's, yeah. he's basically like it's it's like having Salif Diaw there twice. <laughs> <laughs> You know, Salif can't run anymore, and he was always shit. Oh, you God. know what? That's harsh Shout on Salif. That, that's yeah. harsh because I actually quite <laughs> liked him. I know he wasn't very good, but there was something likable about Diaw because like, he was a trier. I'll give him that. He wasn't the youth. Yeah, <laughs> that was the, the main thing. Was he, he had a good attitude? He was a trier, and I always remember like when he was getting played at centre half and that, and he, he couldn't do it. He was shit, but like. He didn't moan, he just got on with it and, and tried his best. So I've got no problem with Salif Dial playing in these games. All right, five times. No, I'm just, just saying, no problem with it, with, with like the likes of Salif playing in these games because if the big hitters aren't available or don't want to play or whatever, you've got to make up a squad. And if they're willing to play, then, you know, good for them. Well, here's Let one them for have you. the little I'll, moments in, to, back around field and that. To answer the question then, how about if you ever sign for Everton or United? You, you can't. You ruled out. You're not allowed to play. See, no, because then... listen to what you said about Andy Lonigan, and then let's think no, about was, Michael Owen. Come yeah, on, I was only joking about Andy Lonigan, but yeah, but I can't like I can't ban Michael Owen from Legends games. I would. No, no, no way. Not yeah, doing that. Man. I think it's shameful the way he's been completely ostracised from everything. But that's another topic for another yeah. time. The club not for even me, wishing the... him happy birthday. <clears throat> I know. Well, Suarez and Torres. Even well. fucking Suarez, they'll release. They'll. They'll wish him happy birthday. And what do you mean, even Suarez? He brought more shame on the club than Michael Owen signing for my United. I'm just but... counting down the days until Suarez retires and he's back for one of these Legends games. Oh, mate. I'll probably go to that. To Imagine up, Suarez and Owen up front. <clears throat> Would you get his name on the back of his shirt? Come full circle there. No, but to answer the question, I don't think that you can put a minimum requirement because you may end up cutting off your nose to spite your face. But I'll tell you what, though. I was thinking when I seen like who was in that squad for the Legends game, and I was like, where the fuck's Daniel Sturridge? Why doesn't Daniel Sturridge play in these games? Daniel Sturridge would be fucking amazing. Yeah, probably. (laughs) (laughs) But he'd be amazing in games like that. Instead, we've got Robbie Keane and his fucking beer belly waddling around up front, playing a half for Celtic, a half for us. And I was like, where's fucking Sturridge and his magic? You know, he'd be great in those games. And Crouchy, and Peter Crouch. Well, why is Peter Crouch not playing? Yeah, they just point. mustn't I mean, fancy him. They just mustn't want to do it. Would you class um, Crouch as a Liverpool legend? Fuck yeah! It's like a cult Liverpool legend. Yeah. Like, because that, for, because for me, it's a simple answer to this question. It's change the fucking name. Don't call them Liverpool legends. Just like mm-hmm. Liverpool old boys or yeah. Yeah, Liverpool all stars or something. Because the term Liverpool legend used to mean yeah. something. It used Even all stars you... stretching it though. Yeah, yeah. I was yeah. Yeah. that. It yeah. denigrates the but, actual but the, the, term. The term legend was a thing, wasn't it? Like yeah. you would you would talk about whether somebody dis- it was like a sort of Hall of Fame thing, basically. If you got bestowed the term Liverpool legend, it actually meant something. From us, and it was a recognized, it was a recognition of of what you'd done, and n- about half of the squad, like Dudek, yes, Hippier, yes, um, Gerard, yes, McAllister, yes, McManaman, yes, probably, 
Luis Garcia, yes. Dirk Kite, I would say yes. But all of the others wouldn't qualify under those terms. So just change the fucking name. Just call it yeah. something different. And then I would be not doing them any favours. Yeah. No, I just I'd be able to watch the games then because I boycott them out of general principle at the moment. Yeah. Do people me, take but... it that seriously though? That probably comes into it, doesn't it? Really? I, mean, I know. I'm not asked about it. I, I buzzed off Stevie scoring the other day, by the way. That yeah. So, so did he. Wanting <laughs> <laughs> <I know. laughs> the Celtic fans. Yeah, it was fast. Yeah. But when those games first started, they were actually mostly legends who were playing. And then, because they were very rare, weren't they? It was like, you know, maybe once every five years you'd have one. Yeah. And, you know, Kenny was playing in them. It was like proper, like, old people, like, who couldn't even play, but they'd come and do ten minutes. But now, as, like, the, the games are more frequent, they take them a bit more seriously, and you're wanting younger legs in there, so you're looking for players who've fairly recently retired. So that's why you end up with, like, you know, Ragnar Klavan, who I loved when he was here, by the way, so I'm glad to see him back. Um, but, you know, people like that. And then, it's like the younger, fitter ones who are having like the the most impact on the games, which is why Mark Gonzalez is doing pretty well in them. But yeah, it doesn't sit right when it's when they're called Liverpool legends and and you've got, you know, you've got Salif playing and Gonzalez and Riera. Uh, no, it's I do think like they need to rethink that, change the name. Yeah. Um. So. We've got like four or five more questions, but we've been going quite a long time. So I'm tempted to sort of like save those for another episode that we've got coming up. Um, so Pete, Sean, uh, Mega Drive Man off the forum, we will get to those. Um, but there's one more I wanted to ask um, you guys along the sort of the, the, the theme, the irreverent theme that we've been going on here. And Brownie, I'll start with you. Um, what's your wildest celebration to a Liverpool goal? Oh fucking hell! Um, it might be Chelsea semi-final FA Cup only because I was wildly drunk. <laughs> oh yeah, fueled up on alcohol. Was that one over the what line? That was. <laughs> yeah, because that one carried on for a good few hours after Chris. I'll tell you. Uh, I'll go with that one. I was th- I was there. I just like, didn't see the just, Let me just interject there. <laughs> We've done a podcast on this, so uh, listeners, go back and, and check one of the first ones we did, like the start of last season, before we played Chelsea, Chelsea Preview Pod, and the story about like Brownie at Old Trafford's in it, and it's worth listening to if you didn't catch your first time around, so yeah, go back and, and look that one up. Yeah, we'll go with that one. <laughs> Dave? Um, there's a few. Um Obviously, some of them are like related to the occasion, like uh, speaking of Luis Garcia against Chelsea. Obviously, the ghost goal that yeah. was that was a mad one, but it was a bit of a weird one because like, we didn't really know if it was going to be given or if it was a penalty. Or but like once you realised the goal had been given, yeah, that was that was mad. I think Steve Staunton was on the row in front of me. I was hugging Steve Staunton when that went in. <laughs> I was on the back row of the main stand. Um, I definitely remember hugging Steve Staunton at a Chelsea game. It could have been the one the year after. I don't know. Was it the following year when we, we beat them on penalties again? Or was it two years later? A couple of years. Yeah, it was two years later. It was, it was one, semi, one of those it? anyway. I was hugging Steve Staunton. Uh, nice. so that was one. Uh, Mellis, I just remember the one I want to come back to, Chris, just after Dave. Sorry, just because I've just remembered one. Go on, Okay, Dave. yeah, Mellor's winner against Arsenal. That was, that was like mental, that one. Even it carried on outside the ground. Everyone was yeah, like yeah. hugging each other outside the ground. We seen Steve Kelly, didn't we? Afterwards, we did. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that was mad. That's because he was our boy. Like we we knew him, 
So it was like the closest that we were ever going to get to like a family member scoring for Liverpool or something. Pretty so much. yeah, that that was amazing. Um, um, surprisingly, you know, one that you think would be right up there would be like a re against against Everton, the Pickford one. But I didn't go mad with that. I, I remember I was just fucking laughing my head off. I wasn't even like jumping around. I just looked at my dad and and the pair of us were just fucking pissing ourselves laughing. So that was just a, a weird one. Considering like, you know, 97th minute winning in a derby, you think, and you see Klopp's reaction to it. Well, I wasn't really like that. I just thought it was the funniest thing I'd ever seen. And then when I seen Klopp running across the pitch as well, that just really fucking had me doubled over. Um, but yeah, speaking of Divock, I feel like I, I can't let this go without mentioning... One that should have been the wildest celebration, and I was robbed of it. And that would be his goal in the Champions League final. Uh, watching it in the Echo Arena, the goal goes in, everyone goes nuts. I'm just about to like really get into going mad, and then here's Paul standing there with his arms stretched out, just like shouting, like, and a big circle formed around him, and he was like going, stop, 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 I've lost me glasses, I've lost me glasses. <laughs> and instead of just ignoring him and carrying on, celebrating the moment, I actually stopped and was helping him look for his fucking glasses. <laughs> and it was like, everyone around, just, it affected everybody. I'm like, he just sucked the fucking joy out of that moment. <laughs> There'll be people listening to this. Now we were in the Echo Arena going, so that was the prick that ruined the fucking Arigi goal for us. <laughs> but yeah, so that was one that should have been one of the wildest celebrations. And it ended up me just like on the floor, like looking for Paul's glasses in amongst all like fucking piss and lager and like <laughs> plastic cups on the floor. And then he finds his glasses on the broke. So then he's he's got a cob on for the rest of the night, even though like we've just won the European Cup. <laughs> so yeah, that was like that was a, a wild celebration that never was. Cheers, Paul. Oh, nice one. He needs to go <laughs> on and so... explain himself. Um... Yeah, and he, and he can explain why when we came outside afterwards, and we're all buzzing because we've just won the European Cup, and he goes, "I'm getting off, boys. My head's battered." <laughs> <laughs> Those were his exact words as well. It was. Yeah. <laughs> like, hey, see you later, Paul. Like, what the yeah. fuck? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. He's he'll, never he going to get that the down. right to reply. No, he'll he's... get the right to reply. He'll, he'll, he'll try to... He can't deny it because there was so many witnesses. But um, yeah. he'll try to downplay it and say it wasn't as bad as that. But it was. Fair enough. It was pretty bad. It is amazing how many of those um, Divock goals would be shortlisted in for yeah. that, though, right? Like it is. The, obviously, the corner taken quickly, Origi one, the Everton one, the Champions League final one. That one again, like I think I was trying to think of this in terms of goals that I didn't. Wolves. Yeah, I didn't. I wasn't there at, but I watched on the telly, and that was one of them. Yeah. I went absolutely fucking berserk for that Wolves mm -hmm. one because I thought it was a sign that it was like it was on. I yeah. thought, you know, at that point, it was like. One of those one of those moments where you just think, oh man, we're going to do this, and it wasn't to be, but in the moment it was. Um, and another out of out of the um, what would you say, like um, like not a traditional pick would be out of left field would be Raúl Morales's goal against Chelsea. A couple of days after Torres left under yeah. Kenny, do you remember that? Like yeah. I, I remember yeah, going. I, do, yeah. I was in my little. I just moved to Florida at the time, and I was in my little apartment. I didn't really know anybody there. And 
I kind of let out this I let out this big roar when it went in and was sort of charging around and I had like neighbours knocking on the door and asking if I was okay and stuff and what was going on I think they were on the verge of calling the cops but um, that was one that always stands out to me of just being one that I went over the top for just because of how we were all feeling in that moment um, it was such a fuck you to them um, my friend Paulie who listens to the show and has been a TLW member for years he was out of that game and he, he still says it was one of the most limbs celebrations he's ever been part of but I think in terms of games I was at I would probably say um, Salah's goal against United in the title yeah. winning season away Luis Garcia's ghost goal against Chelsea because that is the loudest I ever heard that stadium in yeah. the 30 years I've been going to it it was unbelievable it still sends like a shiver up my spine thinking of it and another out left field one was Ellen Road 2000 third round of the FA Cup uh, when Barnby and Heskey gave us a late win at, a late win at Leeds, I remember that just being like a, an insane one as well, where you ended up about the best ones are always the ones where you end up three or four rows down from where you started, and that was definitely one of them. Um, so yeah, um, that was a good one. You guys got anything to add to that? Yeah, yeah. So where you mentioned about ending up row like a few rows down, that brings me on to one from when I was very young, I think seven or eight, Blackburn away in the cup. Um, and my dad took me and we, we equalised right at the end I don't know if you remember this one Dave it was the one where um, was it the ball boy threw the ball back on dead quick for Steve Nickel, and then we literally scored straight from it it was oh, like yeah. an injury didn't, time didn't Jimmy Hill slag him yeah, off he got loads of, of stick on match of the day yeah. yeah, I was behind the goal and I ended up right down at the bottom and back then obviously no seats and everything like everybody had to like push me all the way back up to my dad you know like um, on people's shoulders and they were just passing me back row by row because it went nuts when we scored then. I ended up right at the front. Obviously, as a young kid, it's a bit scary, but also like, how oh, boss is this? This is great. So I love that <laughs> one. Um, and the other one that popped in my head before, which, I mean, it's an obvious one, but Stevie against West Ham in the Cup because that game yeah. was done. That yeah. game was done. We were finished. Like, I don't know anyone who was watching that game who had any faith we were getting back into it. Everyone had cramp and you just resigned yourself because yeah. it was a mad one, wasn't it, the way it went with the freak goal from Koncheski and everything about that day. Just Own like, goal from Carrie. Yeah, everything mm. about that day just screamed shock, didn't it? And then Stevie just put his Superman cape on um, and did that. Yeah, that I went wild for that goal. Owen as well against Owen Arsenal. Owen Cardiff, yeah, yeah. yeah one. The winner. That was, that was one of the best. Um, that's probably my biggest regret of games I wasn't at I'm, I can live with the fact that I wasn't in Istanbul because I had such a good time with you guys watching it in the city and it was yeah. amazing to, to be there but that one still stings in terms of games that I wasn't able to be at because I think I've been to every round and couldn't get a ticket for the final but yeah I would love to have been there for that it was miserable as fuck the whole day, I remember I was trying to sell fanzines outside and sold about five. It was horrendous. And it was like, it was boiling hot. I'm standing there, like, just trying to sell fanzines. Oh, it was a nightmare. And then the game was just shit. We were, we were awful. And I, when, when, like, he got the, the first goal, I was just, everyone was standing up. But, like, they've got TV screens underneath the stands. Like, in, I don't know if they still have, but, like, Millennium Stadium. I was just, I, I'd given up. I was just sat there watching it on the telly. I wasn't even watching the pitch. I was just, because people stood up in front of me and I was sat down, I was just watching the screen. And and then, like, we get one goal back and all of a sudden, it was like Arsenal, well, they battered us. And when that happens and then the team scores, you're like, oh, shit. <laughs> you know, it changes everything. 
and and then we just get that breakaway goal and it, it's such an underrated goal i mean it was fucking perfect like the, the technique on his left side just holding off the defender perfect finish right in the corner uh, i think he's done a somersault didn't he after he scored and that and mm-hmm. yeah, it's just that was definitely one of the best um from when i was a kid i go back to um the Mulby goal against United, the one that wasn't on telly, and everyone oh, talked yeah. about it for years, and like nobody had seen it except the people who were in the ground. Well, that was my first game on the cop. I think I've told this story oh. before in the pod. My first game on the cop was on the on the very front. My dad like thought I'd be better off at at the front rather than like you know in in the middle and all that because I'll I'll have been what I'll have been about eleven maybe ten eleven, um, eleven I think I was maybe 12 actually it was mid 80s wasn't it um yeah and that goal i had a great view of it because i was behind like the the net like that's that's where it was i was like just by the post and just watched him it felt like he carried the ball like 80 yards and then when you actually see it you know because like the footage has come out now and you see it and you're like oh yeah it's a good goal but it's not like what I remembered, and it's not the way it got built up over time by those of us who've seen it. And it's like he went past ten players and then lashed it in from thirty-five yards, and then you watch it and you're like, uh, yeah, that's not not quite <laughs> true, but it, yeah, it's still really good. But I just remember like it, the place was just fucking mental, and because I'd never been in the cop before, and it was Man United and like such a great goal, I'd never experienced anything like that. So yeah, that one, that one definitely stays with me. That was something special. Um, yeah, I think that's probably it. Can't really think of any more. None that stand out. You know, when we finish, I'll be like, oh, shit, what about that one and that one? Yeah. Oh, I tell you what, uh, not so much one specific goal, but the Man City game, when we just had that flurry of goals, and I think we scored like three in ten minutes. Like Fabinho scored. The one where Mo like, lobbed him. Yeah, Mo lobbed him, and Sadio lashed one in with his left foot as well. Yeah. Uh, like mm. that that period where we just completely blew them away that was something else that like oh I've just remembered Sadio's first goal Arsenal away yeah. <laughs> I went wild for that one yeah what you know when a new was. signing scores a boss goal yeah. and you're proper pumped I remember yeah, it was, it was an unreal finish there yeah it was boss jumped on Clapo's back and everything mm. nice alright there's lo- I mean there's loads we could probably do an entire show on, on this and maybe at some point yeah maybe um, we will We'll get some of the other boys involved, and, we're, and we'll do. Imagine it. We'll the Blue Nose is trying to do a similar podcast. Nobody's <laughs> <laughs> out there like that. Uh, uh, yeah. All right, yeah, we'll end it there. There was that Dan Gosling one. Oh no, I didn't <laughs> see that, lads. The, 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 the adverts came on. I missed yeah. that one. <laughs> it's probably all goals that they, they ended up like losing the game in, like Stuart McCall, that Connor Cody one. They got disallowed. That was the greatest moment of Connor Cody's career, apparently. That's what yeah. he said. Highlight of his career it was a fucking disallowed goal against us. <laughs> <laughs> Says it all. He's only been there a couple of months, and it, it doesn't take long, does he? Mm. No. Anyway, um, well, this has been fun. Um, I think we've been running like quite quite long, so we should probably have a look at the, the city game now, right? At the weekend, bring us down a notch or two. <laughs> Considering um, this was supposed to? to be like the Man City game preview <laughs> pod, yeah. and we're like ninety minutes in, and we haven't even mentioned it yet. Nice. <laughs> Let's just do like four minutes. Yeah. That'll be fine. That'll be fine. Um, Brownie away uh, from home, 12.30 Saturday kickoff um, after an international break. Traditionally speaking, it hasn't been the most um, 
sort of fruitful time to play a game for us. And we're going to Man City away where we don't have the best record anyway. So how many are we going to win by on Saturday morning? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was looking at this before. So we haven't won there since 2018, that Champions League game. We haven't won in the league um, since 2015, which was Klopp's first game there, I think, as well. Um, sometimes the Spankers have beat us 4-0 and 5-0 in the last few years. Uh, they're going for the league, we're shit. <laughs> What's not to love? Um, <laughs> I don't hold out much hope, to be honest. Although, when you actually take a bit of a closer look um, at the numbers, our record at their place is a damn sight better than theirs is or ours. Um, like more, more than half of the time that we go there, we come away with at least a point. And when you think about the context of this season, we'd all snap your hand off for a point now, wouldn't we? So I don't think it's totally, totally um, lost that we could get a point. But I'm, I'd be lying if I said I had any confidence going there. The one good thing about it is Foden's injured um, and Haaland's doubtful. Feels like Foden okay. always plays boss against us. Is that just me? Or does he just always play boss against us? So I'm he happy is he's boss, out. though. Yeah, he's he's like, he is a good, good player. player. Yeah, but he just seems to turn it on against us for some reason. But yeah, he's he's out, so that's good. I don't know. I consider it a win if we don't have to look at one of their faces. <laughs> yeah. Phil Foden. It's like the old Foden, Vic and Bob line, Haaland, isn't it? Phil Foden Edison. your face. Like a hard-boiled bollock. <laughs> <laughs> Edison should have those little like pixelated graphics over his face. What they used to have when, like, you know, when like you couldn't Japanese show porn. A, a, you couldn't show any bollocks on the telly. Yeah. <laughs> well, he's, he's so believe. Yeah. Chris knows what I mean. <laughs> so believe. No, it, but oh he should. Like, we, we shouldn't be subjected to his face. You can make the case for Haaland as well, to be fair. But definitely mm. Edison. It's just painful to look at. Speaking of Haaland and his orc-like features, I'm reminded of, thinking of this game, I'm reminded of the Gimli's quote from like the Two Towers or whatever it is in Lord of the Rings, and he goes, small chance of success, certainty of death, what are we waiting for? <laughs> and that's how I feel going into this game, and I yeah. somehow have it within me to think that we might actually win it. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if we did. I think it's more likely that we won't. But I wouldn't rule it out because we've done better in like the you know the bigger games this season. Um, we've been much worse against the shit teams. So the only thing is, it's it's what you said before. It's like we're shit after an international break, but this is an even longer one because we had the week off before because of the cup. So it's an extended break. It's a twelve thirty kickoff. I mean, the twelve thirty kickoff. A, a lot of the problem with that is because we've normally played in midweek as well, and so. That's not really an issue, but we're terrible after a break, so that's a big problem for us. Um, mm. If Haaland doesn't play, which I think we're all sure he will, but if by some chance he doesn't, I think that levels the playing field quite a bit. But no, I, I don't know. I, I, if I'm making if I'm forced to make a prediction, I'll say we have a narrow defeat where we're feeling hard done by, probably because of some kind of referee and decision that didn't go our way. Um, but no, and there's a chance that we'll win it. There's definitely a chance. Okay. And that referee indecision is going to be from your fabled conveyor belt of baldy man referees. Oh. <laughs> Unlikely. Which one is it? Um, You'll have to be more specific. Cause... Well, I don't know. I don't know who's ref in the game. Um, but, Brownie... Um, it's usually Anthony Taylor, isn't he? Let's have a look then. Fucking hell. Whenever, whenever um, we've got a, a man... That's what I thought you were getting that when you said that. Yeah, but there's another half a dozen others though, isn't there? Referee... Oh no, that's last year. Last year was Anthony Taylor. Mm. Uh, Michael Oliver, I uh, think. 
Uh, not too bad. Yeah. Could be worse. I know that was that was the Anfield game. Oh, come on, Chris. <laughs> I don't, I'm sorry. Like Google's letting me down here. Let me see if I can look at news. The Need news to get on that Google. new chatbot. I don't thing. see either of you doing any of this research. So I didn't think we needed to. I thought you were doing it. <laughs> All right. It doesn't say. Presumably they haven't been assigned yet, but we can rest assured that it, it probably will be one of the aforementioned. Um, Brownie, would you go with sort of like an attacking team for this lineup for this game, or would you sort of look to do what we did at Anfield and sort of keep them at bay a little bit and then pick our moments and on the counter? Yeah, I'd go with the the second option because we we kind of went face to like well head to head with them in the um, League Cup game, didn't we? After the World Cup, we we just went and mm-hmm. yeah. tried to play our normal game and said, "Come on, let's have a game of football." See who the best team is, and we lost, didn't we? Um, so yeah, I'd I'd be happy for us to be a bit more pragmatic because we know that we're fragile. We don't know what we're gonna get out of us. The the one good thing is that the the bad thing about us dropping off is the fact that we've dropped off and obviously we're trying to sneak fourth place rather than try and win the league. But the good thing about it is this season we do seem to when we play against one of the better sides we seem to raise our game a bit. I hate that, but that's a good thing coming into this weekend and coming into the week that comes up. Because it gives you a little bit of faith that they're going to be motivated mm-hmm. and they're going to turn up and give everything. So, um, in terms of the t- is Diaz back? Back training, probably is, too early for them to be starting. But yeah, but you'd expect them the on squad. the bench. I'd that, hope that, so. Yeah, that's a nice boost, isn't it? Because yeah. if you can get mm-hmm. half an hour or something, that that's good. I don't. Know, to be honest with you, Chris, I don't know what the situation is from the international games. Um, sure. Who's coming back fit? Oh, that that's the main thing, isn't it? Who's going to be available? That that'll dictate pretty much what the starting team is. I would have thought. I think that there's not been anything reported. Costas got a knock. He had to go off. Did um, Darwin go? Darwin didn't, didn't go, something? but it was a cut ankle. Okay. So that's that's going to have healed by yeah. now. And Gakpo missed the game with food poisoning, but played the second game, so he'll be fine. Mo played, didn't he? I think yeah. I saw some headline that he scored and did well. Um, yeah, so it, it, assuming everyone's fit, then it, the team probably picks itself, doesn't it? We don't have like a ton of options, I don't think. Does it though? If if you're saying about like playing a bit more cagey, because we played four four two, didn't we, at Anfield? Hmm. So yeah, haven't we played four two three one recently though? What game was it where we 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 definitely dropped to having yeah, a two? Yeah, we, we played there? we played um, the Real Madrid game. Real Madrid game, yeah. We we yeah. went with two in midfield and. Maybe we'll do that. We'll see a repeat of that. I did, yeah. It didn't work very well. On the <laughs> I was going to say, it worked really well, didn't it? <laughs> I know. <laughs> yeah. So, fuck knows. All right. Um, well, have you guys got anything else to add before we call it a night? I think we've gone about an hour and 40 minutes here, which would be high in the running for... I think I think John, Dave and Jules did a, the Brentford podcast and it was almost like two hours long for some insane reason. How the hell did we get two hours out of that? I don't know. It was. It was. I think it was eighty, at least eighty odd minutes that you went for. So, um, at least this has been more fun than that. Um, but it has been quite long. Uh, anything more you guys want to add before we call it a night? No, I can take a hint. You're wanting to wrap it up, so yeah, we'll we'll just stop talking. I'll now. sit here all night. I'll <laughs> sit here all night with and talk with you guys. Simon Hooper is the referee for the weekend. He's bald. I don't know if he's a mank. <laughs> he's definitely one of the baldies. It's a good job I, I saw that one because the headline above it said it was Clattenburg. <laughs> oh, yeah. Don't know where that's from. Get him out of retirement. Let's see where Simon Hooper's from. <laughs> he's not from bald as well now, is he? I hope not. Did you uh, see that? Where's he from? Uh, Swindon. 
Well, we might get a pen. Mm. Nice. See that story about Clattenburg's replacement as like head of the Egyptian like referees association or something. He got banned because he looked at the video of the fans' footage of the goal. And he saw that there was like a handball in the build-up, and he banned, he he overruled the goal based on the fact that the fan had <laughs> the goal on his on his phone. So he he basically gets punished for making the right decision. Yeah, definitely. It was like a primitive version of VAR, and yeah. he made the right decision, but he's been suspended and banned. But I'm not. Paul go was like another... Paul's a primitive version of VAR. Just kill it, killing the buzz of like goal celebrations. <laughs> Paul was doing that before VAR was even a thing. <laughs> oh, he's gonna be fucking fuming yeah. when he listens to this tomorrow. <laughs> You're gonna have to have him on after City on Sunday, on Saturday. Give yeah. him a right to reply. Yeah, I will. All right. Well, that I mean, that's a, a good thematic way to to round up what's been a fun podcast. Uh, and uh, hopefully we can continue the good feelings going into the weekend. Big run of games ahead. We'll be back after every one of them as soon as we can get the podcast up. Um, but until then, thanks to Dave and Brownie, and we'll catch you soon. Well, the best word I can say, but uh, we'll describe this was boom. <laughs> Ooh, what was this? It was really good.